Alrighty, my name is Alyssa Enchetta, and welcome to podcast on reinforcement and determining function of behavior. Um, so kind of to give an overview of what we're going to be covering today, I, I separated this, kind of chunked it together into five different chunks. Um, so step one is identifying the challenging behavior. Step two is collecting data. Step three is determining the function of behavior. Um, step four is developing intervention and implementation. And then step five is reassessing. Um, so we're kind of just going to go step by step in that. So the first step, like I said, is identifying the challenging behavior. Um, challenging behaviors can look very differently for every student. I know that um, a lot of people call them the problem behavior. I kind of want to move away from that language just because um, that just insinuates just really negative um, language around you know how an individual behaves and I think that can be a little bit offensive so I'm gonna stick to challenging behaviors Um, so when identifying these behaviors it can be anything that disrupts an individual's learning um, might be harmful to themselves harmful to others um, anything that disrupts um, your students or child's um, independence or um, function in society, um, anything that kind of prohibits them from being successful in those ways. So it can look in various ways, like I said. It can be as subtle as limited sustained atten- attention, getting off topic really easily, um, not exhibiting effort, or it can be as a disruptive as harm and harmful as biting others um, and inflicting pain on themselves um, or, like I said, other people. So once you kind of identify that, it's really important to make sure that you make sure that this behavior is um, observable, measurable, and repeatable. So um, anyone that crosses by can be like, oh, that is that behavior. It's very clear. It's very forward, um, and it's very clear of what it is and what it isn't. So kind of once you identify that, you can move on to step two, which is collecting data. Um, Gather as much information as you can. So this would include interviewing many people. So um, from a parent's perspective, you know, interviewing teachers, staff, um, administration, anyone who works with your student, anyone who comes in contact, anyone that sees them in multiple um, environments, um, and even your student, you can interview them as well, uh, depending on um, level of ability. Um, and like I said, observing your student across multiple environments will increase your results. So um, as a teacher, I know that I see some behaviors at school that you know, um, parents might not see at home and vice versa. They might see a lot more behaviors at home than I do at school. So, um, increasing your observation to multiple environments, whether that be different classes, um, working with different staff, lunchtime, free time, varying subjects, as much as you can will increase, um, your results. So, The way you can do this is you would need to use data collection forms. So there's many out there. Um, A few to name are ABC analysis, trial by trial data, interval recording forms, time on task forms. Um, I'm going to stick with ABC analysis because I think that's just the most 
um, helpful when when trying to target um, a target behavior. So ABC stands for A is antecedent, which is anything that happens right before the behavior occurs. Um, anything. Um, anything that happens right before. The B stands for behavior, which is what the child or your student exhibits, whatever that looks like, um, whatever that behavior is that you identified in step one. And then C is the consequence. Um, so what happens right after, whatever it is, good or bad, um, whatever. I know consequence can kind of have a negative um, intonation, but it really is um, whatever happens right after. Um, so you just kind of keep a log of that. Um, the more you observe, you continue just to write what happened right before, what happened right be right after the behavior. Um, this can help and give really good indication as to what some known triggers can be identified as, um, what behaviors can manifest and look like, and then what what happens right after, like what comes right after, um, which is a reward or a punishment. Um, and we can get into that later. So you just kind of compile all that information. Um, you try to find commonalities and frequencies of occurrences. Um, and then once you get enough information or you feel as you did, you can move on to step three, which is determining the function of the behavior. So this can be probably the most important step, I would say, just because there are four different functions. Um, and although a behavior may manifest and externally look the same from the outside, it can serve many different functions. And depending on the function, the way that you respond and assist the behavior is different. So for example, if we'll go over the functions, but for example, so if the function is attention, you're going to want to treat this behavior much differently if the function is avoidant. Um, so just to give a little bit more context there, um, it's important to identify these functions because the interventions will be diff different um, toward the challenging behavior. So these four functions are the first is attention. Um, this is when a student is desiring attention from another individual, um, another staff member, parent, whatever it is, peer. Um, of their, the next function is avoidance, which is efforts to avoid work or escaping is what they might call it as well, um, or complying with a demand place. So if a demand is placed, work is being um, instructed, they're going to escape, they're going to avoid, they're going to try and get out of work. Um, the next is access. So this is their desire to gain access to an item or thing or anything, a tangible toy that's being withheld. So this can, you can probably think back, oh, what is something that my child really wants access to? A lot of times it's iPad. A lot of times it's certain figurines. I'm thinking of students in my class, um, what, what, what things they like um, to, to gain access of. And the last function is sensory. So this is engaging in self-stimulation activities that give them pleasure. So this can look very different. It can be squeezes to their hands. It can be flapping of their arms. It can be um, even just looking at certain patterns. It can be um, rocking back and forth. 
just things that they can engage in that give them pleasure, but also really uh, disrupt their learning and disrupt them from being successful throughout the day. Okay, so once you kind of identify these, the function of the behaviors, and every behavior can have multiple functions. So that's why I think it's really important to use that ABC analysis because you're able to see, okay, what happened right before? Why is my child or student exhibiting this and so you can kind of go through it that way and like oh that happened right before i took away the ipad and then the behavior came well that's probably because they wanted access to it right so or hey i told them to do some chores and then they had the behavior oh they're trying to avoid so i think that gives really good indication and helps you really identify what the functions are so once you do that you can move on to step four which is developing intervention and implementation. This is where you're going to want to develop a plan, okay? And that's going to include that consequence piece, which is reinforcement. Um, It can be positive and negative. So I'm just going to kind of go over um, some examples of reinforcement. So there's positive reinforcement, which is adding something such as a reward to increase the replacement behavior. So what you're trying to get your child to do more of. Negative reinforcement is taking away something that is already present, such as a preferred activity, to increase that replacement behavior. Punishment is taking away something to decrease the challenging behavior, so that's um, the negative and making the, the target behavior go down. And then there's also extinction, which is ignoring um, the behavior to decrease the challenging behavior okay so you see two of them the positive and negative reinforcement are increasing the likelihood of the replacement behavior occurring and the punishment and distinction are decreasing the likelihood of the target behavior occurring or the challenging behavior occurring okay so i'm just gonna give a couple examples so let's say that i have a student that elopes um to gain access to outside items or in other classrooms. Um, So this is, the function is access to items, toys, or personal belongings. It is not escape. So I think a lot of times eloping can be perceived as they're trying to get away from something. But in this case is that they're trying to get toward something. So they're trying to gain access, okay? So the intervention would be to provide appropriate ways for the student to communicate her wants and needs by using the phrase, I want or outside so giving them language so that they can request for help and use communication um, is huge so this is an opportunity for them to increase that that communication Um, the positive reinforcement will be verbal praise high fives um, allowing access to that preferred item when she communicates her wants and needs would be a huge reinforcement um, and really increase her wanting to use those words rather than just running out okay and then the negative reinforcement would be taking away access to those desire items if she elopes if she runs out without asking per for permission okay the second um, example i have is shouting out in class okay so the behavior is um, the student will randomly shout out in class which disrupts learning The function of this is attention, okay? Attention seeking from teachers and parents. So every time the student shouts out, hey, or just says anything inappropriate, 
Johnny be quiet, right? So he's getting that payoff. He's getting that attention that he wants, okay? So we're going to try and move away from that and give him give him tools for him to succeed better and, and, and be able to gain attention uh, more appropriately, okay? So the intervention would be providing appropriate ways for the student to gain attention from others, such as raising their hand or saying, excuse me, okay? So this is less disruptive and it also allows him or her to the, the need to communicate, okay? Um, a lot of my interventions will include communication because I feel it's a big piece to what a lot of individuals with ASD struggle with. And so giving them appropriate tools and ways to do so, um, I think will just allow them to um, be more independent and functional, okay? So the positive reinforcement for this is verbal praise, high fives, allowing the student to share his or her thoughts if he or she raises their hand or says, excuse me. Extinction would be just ignoring the student when he or she shouts out, not giving any attention at all to him or her um, so that they can quickly learn, hey, the only time I get um, attention is when I use those those skills so when I use my when I raise my hand teacher calls on me when I say excuse me teacher listens to me when I just shout out she doesn't okay so hopefully slowly that will um, increase that desired behavior and decrease the challenging one okay alrighty so those are my two examples as we are kind of running out of time I think okay all right, so the last step is step five, reassessment. So not all intervention plans will work the first time, and sometimes you're going to have to change things up. So you're going to observe other antecedents that occur, or other stimuli, or other environments that happen, and that might change your approach. Or maybe you're going to reassess, hey, maybe that function is wrong, maybe it's actually this one, and you're going to have to reassess and reevaluate and implement a new plan. So it's important to be willing to change your interventions especially if you're not seeing much progress being made. So as you monitor and continue to observe, don't be afraid to make adjustments along the way, okay? As long as you have your students' needs in mind, it's okay to um, change things up a bit um, in order to increase success. All right, so that concludes my podcast on reinforcement and determining function of behavior. Thank you for listening. Bye.